Hello and welcome to Tech Talks with Madonna Season 2, Episode 11. Our guest today is Natalia. Natalia is an early childhood education and development professor at the University of Stavanger, Norway and the Open University, UK. She is also the co-founder and CEO of the university spin-up company, Wikit, W-I-K-I-T, which integrates science with children's edtech industry. Her work occurs collaboratively across the academic, professional, and industry sectors. In addition, she co-designed an award-winning educational technology that model evidence-based education technology for children. She is also a passionate science communicator, an advocate for greater equality, diversity, and inclusion across academia and society. How are you doing, Natalia? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. How was your day? The day was quite busy, but a mm-hmm. good day. Nice sunny day. What mm-hmm. about you? <laughs> My mind just started, so yet <laughs> to see how it goes, but so far so great. I got good. time to drop my kids to school and then do a little bit of exercise and I plan to go again later today because I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to keep exercise. It helps me feel better, <laughs> especially when I'm walking from home. Yes, I bet. Yes. So do you mind introducing yourself? Well, um, my name is Natalia Ingebretsen Kuchirkova. I am based in uh, Stavanger in Norway. I work here as a professor at the University of Stavanger, but I have a dual affiliation, so I also work at the Open University in the UK. And I guess the reason that we two connected is because of this connection to EdTech and educational technologies and how we can make technologies better for a better world um, and how we as women can play a bigger part in this space. Uh, So I guess I would say that my work um, in that um, area has been mostly from the academic side. So looking at how research can um, make technologies uh, more equitable, more impactful, mm-hmm. and um, more aligned with um, social justice principles, really. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. You're so kind. Yes. Yeah. I mean, don't you feel that there are now more and more opportunities uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, especially for tech and women? I feel that it's almost exploding now. Um, yeah which is amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 so the advocacy is playing <laughs> it's um it's paying off <laughs> it is paying off well and-, and don't you think that that is what we can do as a community you know not mm-hmm. just opening the door but really taking women with us through the door uh mm-hmm. I, I feel that um that's really important um because the doors are opening so now we need people to enter those spaces so mm-hmm. yeah Amazing. Okay, now you are a co-founder and CEO of the University Spinout Company. Do you want to talk more about that? Oh well, you, you mean Wicked, right? Uh, yes. Wicked is a uh, recent endeavor, um, and it builds on the work that we've been doing with colleagues, um, really trying to bridge the gap between academia and industry, and uh, make sure that we can integrate science with design um, in a more focused way and more coherent way and how can we work with edtech more systematically because academics we as as academics we do work with many um, different uh, stakeholders and that does include tech companies um, and tech designers and tech developers 
but it tends to be a bit fragmented and a bit ad hoc. So uh, Wicked was um, based on this idea that collectively, and if we join forces, we can make a difference. So mm-hmm. it's um, a network of researchers who work with um, different at the companies to make sure that they are more evidence-based. Wow. Mm. I love that. And actually that will bring us to the next question, which I want to ask you, can you explain to us like how your research focuses on children's use of technology? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, well, uh, we don't have so much time, but I can try to. <laughs> oh no, no, you have all too. the time. No, you, no, you have yeah. all the time. <laughs> I mean, for listeners' benefit, let's try to make this very short. Um, I guess the main thing that I will mention is that I focus on um, um, agency, children's voices, essentially, um, making sure that children are at the center of what we do when we design technologies, and that when we do research that it is research not done on children but with children so in my work we use participatory research techniques where children act as co-designers co-researchers so we um, train them in different research techniques we equip them with some of the tools that we use so that they can genuinely and authentically contribute to what we are looking at and they always bring new insights and new perspectives so i uh, i feel passionate about um, that and i feel that it's important that we have um, children's agency more in foreground when we are designing technologies Um, especially now that there's coming a lot of bad press about um, technologies harming uh, children and uh, young people in in various areas you know as, as, as you know uh, there are issues with privacy, there are issues with mental health. Yeah. Um, so we really need to listen to young people more um, mm-hmm. and involve them more in these processes so that they are not positioned as consumers, but actually, you know, co-users, co-designers. Um, I think that's very important. That is very true. And uh, I think that's a very good point you bring up because I have two kids and I'm always worried about their use of technology and how that will impact them. I even keep mm-hmm. wondering and asking myself, what, when is the right time for my kid to like have a phone? Do you have mm-hmm. any advice on this? Because <laughs> I'm still wondering <laughs> when is the good time? Well, I get asked this question so often. And the second question then is, okay, can you give me a list of apps that you recommend that I can just download on the phone and I can feel safe that those are the best apps because researchers recommend it. Mm -hmm. The thing is, there is no um, sort of like one recipe to follow. Mm -hmm. It does depend very much um, on the individual child, like their readiness uh, for technology and where they are in their development and what the um, what their peers um, are doing. You know, you don't want them to feel excluded by not mm-hmm. having the phone. Um, it also depends on the family dynamics, you know, like uh, how much you as a mother want to know where they are and you actually need them to have a phone so that you can call them and get some, uh, you know, safety uh, for yourself. Um, and then there are issues around um, schools requiring children to have access to phones so that they can um, they're looking at uh, various homeworks and things like that. So there are these environmental um, factors that will influence that, and they are equally important as the maturity level of the child and you know their cognitive development and so on. 
Mm-hmm. So um, I would say it's up to you to decide when okay. you feel that um, it feels right, um, mm-hmm. you know, that you had some conversations uh, with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you listen to them, what they say, why they think it's needed and why they think that um, it's important for their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what you decide is your family rules around how that will be managed. Yeah. Um you know, around what um, different software programs like apps and um, social media networks they want to join and why, you know. So it's a lot about the content that's on the phone um, that's going to make a difference rather than just having the phone. Um, You know, if they use it just to call you or to call grandpa, then (laughs) it's very different than being on Instagram every day. So it it really depends on what is it for. Mm -hmm. Wow. It, it is definitely a challenge. And I like the fact that you laid it out that it might vary based on family. And I feel mm. like that's a very good point because to me, when I give them the phone, it's just going to be for calling grandpa and grandma and mom and dad. And then maybe familiarities. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Because I'm mm. very scared of social media. I don't feel like I'm ready for them to jump into it because there's so much. Mm. And there's a lot of loopholes. Like you mentioned the apps. Mm. You don't mm. know if you download them today, they are going to be safe because each and every app needs an advert. And actually, the reason as to why I even made my first application back in 2014, I made it for my kids so that they can use mm. it without ads because I couldn't find an application that did not have any ads. few minutes, something pops up. few mm. minutes, something pops up. So sad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite depressing that, you know, the business model that's followed for apps is based on making money out of children's attention. Yeah. Um, that's really not right and it's been addressed but not enough mm-hmm. uh, you know there are some regulations out there that are targeting that specifically in US you've got COPPA in uh, the UK mm-hmm. we have the um, children's code or age appropriate code there's of course GDPR in Europe and so there are some legal frameworks that um, developers need to mm-hmm. follow or adhere to yeah. Um, but they are still not stringent enough. Um, and they are very basic, you know, like don't mishandle or don't misuse the data. But um, these days we've got a lot of issues with algorithmic fairness, cybersecurity, data responsibility. And those things are still not addressed in um, social media and many, many children's apps. So I, I, I feel you when you say that as a mother, you are not sure and mm-hmm. would rather avoid it. Um, so I feel that it's important for people like um, us to be also proactive in that space and try to yeah. change it, you know, because yeah. we're not going to uh, remove it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's, it's important to... Um, um, address it in a, in a constructive manner I feel you know like how can we redesign yeah. um, them and how can we transform them in, into something that is tech for good <laughs> that is true I feel like what you said is very true because I don't think removing it's even the solution because th- we've seen when we say remove the way that works it never works so it's just <laughs> trying to reframe it to fit like kids mm. needs well mm. now you've Wow, that's such a great content. Thank you very much for sharing with us. And I wanted to ask you a second question, which is, I feel like this is the third or fourth question so far. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to get into tech? 
Oh, I want to know what inspired you as well. So I hope that you'll share that too. Um, I guess for me, it started, you mean in, in the professional sense, right? Like when, yes. when did I actively include it in my professional career? Yeah. It was a bit, um, it wasn't planned because it was uh, during my PhD studies where um, I was doing research on children's personalized books. So books that children can design themselves. And uh, we essentially used papers, uh, paper and pencils and, um, you know, children could glue different images on paper and they could put in some glitter and all that. And it was very nice, but it wasn't scalable. And uh, that was at a time when uh, iPads came in as something um, revolutionary. You know, many people were saying how important the technology is going to be for children, touch screens. So um, we explored the option of having personalized books made and shared um, digitally. Um, and that is where I uh, began to be interested in um, apps and creation and creativity um, uh, with technologies and became more interested in EdTech. Wow. Oh, when you mentioned that, I was also looking at your uh, Wikipedia site, which I find to be pretty amazing. <laughs> well, I don't know whether it's accurate. <laughs> you know, these things you don't have control of. So, uh... no, 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 but it, it's out there. And I was like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Does it Just... mention our story? Because that's the uh, app that um, was part of this process that I was describing. So, Mm-hmm. Um, our story was the app that colleagues and I um, developed at the Open University to allow children to make their own stories. Um, and it's still up and running, but I, I, I think there are better apps out there these days. You know, we didn't really have the money to make it into a super sleek, shiny app. So, mm-hmm. but it's free and it's definitely without any adverts. So, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So you didn't say you wanted me to mention how I got interested in tech. So mm. to me, actually, my journey wasn't tech. I wanted to be an aeros- like an aeronautical engineer because I oh. really loved the planes. Yeah. Mm. And my dream did pan out. So for some reason, I started loving computers because when I got my first computer, actually, I didn't even get my first computer. When I saw a computer, I was so intrigued. Like, how is this thing working? Like, you can do all these things in this thing. How is it working? And I wanted mm-hmm. to understand how it did. And then I learned because there's computer engineering, there's computer science. And I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And then and that's how I wanted to start look like getting into tech. And then how I got into mobile because I work as a mobile engineer is that I got a phone and it was so interesting that I was like, wow, everything is so surprising mm-hmm. me, like how it works, you know? Mm-hmm. So to mm-hmm. me, it's that curiosity of how's mm. this thing working that made me want to be where I am right now, like in tech. Cause I was mm. like, Oh no, at least I know how it's done. So now I'm good. <laughs> I love that. I, I really like that curiosity angle to it. And you know, that makes you a very good researcher as well, because if you think about it, it's this thirst after knowledge, you know, like how do things work and how can I find out? And, can I take it apart and then pull it together again, you know, to find yes. out? <laughs> and so. yeah, that's the interesting part because I actually wanted to go to academia too. Uh-huh. But my husband is the one that did it. He did a PhD in math. And 
I'm like, okay, maybe I can do, because like when I got kids, I was like, oh my God, it's so hard right now. I can't do it. But definitely we moms sacrifice a lot because I think doing a PhD and having kids, it's not easy. But I said, maybe later I can go back to school because I do love, I love education a lot. I love being out there and doing research. I wanted, in fact, to do genetics that also is something that really yeah it's really intriguing to me like how does this thing actually work like what is it (laughs) I want to understand it more you like hard problems right (laughs) (laughs) it's funny but you know I think the latest statistics show that it's not actually at PhD that uh, working moms are most disadvantaged but it's right after because when you finish PhD, you sort of need to find a job immediately because the yeah. funding stops. And very often PhDs are either not funded or not funded very generously. Yeah. <laughs> so you already have a gap uh, financially. So then you sort of need to find a postdoc job quite f- quickly. Yeah. And there are very few postdoc positions. Um, so that's that's an issue that uh, we actually talk about it in the book, uh, which I think I recommended to you. It's called um, Inspirational Women in Academia. And in that book, uh, we interviewed some uh, um, inspirational women <laughs> who work in academia and who faced different uh, types of discrimination. So uh, gender ethnicity, disability, um, working class background. And we looked at um, the challenges that they have been through. And what what I guess was quite, um, I can't say shocking because I was aware of that, but what was almost depressing was to hear the same pattern across different personal stories, oh, wow. right? Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of discrimination. So it's really something that we need to look at collectively um at system level and thank you for sharing and again it's such an honor to have you here today just speaking to us and sharing your knowledge and oh i'm very pleased that i can you know i think it's um important for us to talk about these things openly if we can Mm. that is true i wanted to ask you another question as a professor i'm wondering and So according to the International Journal of STEM Education, comparing success of female students to their male counterparts in STEM field, an empirical analysis from enrollment until graduation using longitudinal register data, results find that female are less likely to enroll in STEM-related fields, while students with higher high school mathematics grades are more likely to enroll in STEM Female students have lower first-year dropout rates at the University of Applied Sciences STEM program with respect to study access. And um, we find that the conditional on enrollment in STEM, women are less likely to graduate than men within the normal duration or the nominal duration plus one additional year. Uh, According also to another research by Kimberly A. Shellman, University of California, Davis, Women are more likely than men to transition into a non-STEM major, whereas dropping out of college is more common among men than women. And I'm wondering, are you seeing any change? Mm -hmm. Have you looked into that kind of research or what information do you have there? Or what can you say? Like, what can you tell us? Yeah, it's a good question. I would need to look up the latest stats on this, and Mm -hmm. they would vary based on uh, geographical location. 
That's and true. remember, we are still extremely privileged if you think about mm-hmm. women from countries of uh, war conflict, uh, yeah. women of countries where they cannot participate in any academic career because of religious oh, yeah. reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, even in uh, countries that are um, lower income, there are still possibilities, whereas in those countries, there are no possibilities. Yeah. Um, so on that sort of uh, ladder of possibilities, we are still very privileged. But I know that when it comes to um, female leadership in technology, it's not only in academia, but also in the technology side from mm-hmm. the business sector um, that the uh, statistics are not looking good. Yeah. Um, and it's mostly at the mid-managerial roles that mm-hmm. it stops for women, you know, yeah. like to get into the leadership role and maintain it without uh, burnout and without um, stepping down in the middle of your position, um, that is a challenge. Um, And I don't know whether that's specific to tech or whether it's specific to um, female leading positions. I mean, look at um, uh, Jacinda and other uh, female politicians who have been very successful for a while and then needed to step down because of the pressure you know yeah you're right you're right about that and well it's uh pretty tough but i think we can see that at least things are getting better and mm, um that's true i mean i'm happy when i see for instance i'm just going to say this again and i'm just going to encourage you again please submit a talk <laughs> to anita b the yeah you can you international local they you can speak from anywhere and you it will it will be such an honor to come to listen to your talk because I feel like you would do such a great job of sharing that. So kind. <laughs> I should look that up. I should look that up. <laughs> Please even here to pause and actually share the link. Because I want Are you to... going to talk? No, I'm not. I yeah, I did apply to talk but different track. But I feel okay. like you can do a very good talk in like public interest tag. I feel like that's a very good. I mean, I know I'm making this one up for you, but I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that you do something as well, right? You know, let's do the sisterly thing that uh, I go if you go. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I'm going to be there already because I'm a co Okay. I'm going to be there. So if you're there, we can definitely also meet in person, you know? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I love that we can be talking across the ocean. Um, yeah. But it's also nice to meet people three-dimensionally if we can. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so again, no pressure. I'm going to encourage you to apply because I would love to see your talk. <laughs> Thank you for the encouragement. <laughs> yeah, it was so much great having you today. And maybe I'll meet you at that Anita thing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Thank you very much again. And it's such an honor.